This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Good afternoon, morning or evening, and welcome back. I'm going to say welcome back to the Blurring the Lines <laughs> podcast. This is episode number 75. And uh, yeah, I am your host, Peter Nicolaitis. And uh, joining me as always for our 75th episode, holy cow, despite a two-month hiatus, is Adam Bell. Greetings, Peter. How the heck are you? I'm doing well. It's it's almost summertime. It is pretty summery here yeah we're, we're we, we've got we've got that summer thing going on here in uh in massachusetts you know so, what's frustrating though is about summer well winter too for that matter is the the days get longer and you think you know like august is like really the longest days of the year i mean in your mind for some reason they are but mm-hmm. june june 20th or 20 whatever is the longest day of the year Longest day of the year is coming right up. Summer solstice. It's hard to believe. It's like, we haven't even gotten into summer. <laughs> it's getting shorter. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you got you got another week and to enjoy it, and then boom, back to winter. Oh. Man, we, we have so much to catch up on. So um, I say we just dive right in. All right. That sounds great. That sounds yeah. great. So where do you want to start? I, I think we should just we should just alternate until one of us runs out of topics and then the other one just keeps going. Okay. Well, the uh, I I resent that opening title, by the way. Well, that I mean <laughs> that may not be you, but so you were you were I I saw your notes on injury and then my notes on injury and I'm like and I've told Elizabeth uh, more than once recently. I said, "Old people suck." And it sucks being one of them. Because <laughs> when I'm hurt now, it lasts a quarter. It doesn't last a week. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, okay, so I don't resent that remark as much as I resemble it. <laughs> yeah. um, because it's been over two months now that um, I pulled a muscle in jiu-jitsu. Um, I, was, I was put into an arm bar. Uh, which can be a very difficult uh, attack to get out of. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was able to get enough leverage that eventually the guy who had me in the arm bar just gave up and tapped out, <laughs> even though he had me like, you know, he was trying to pin me. Uh-huh. Um, so I got out of it and that was great. Uh, the problem is that it's been two months and I'm still recovering from all of that exertion that I put into. I so, mean, I knew I was working hard, but I didn't realize that I was seriously pulling muscles in my back and shoulder, which subsequently resulted in tennis elbow. <laughs> so you won. Kind I of. won the battle, <laughs> yeah. but one could easily argue that I lost the war. Yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a result, I haven't been to a Krav Maga class in over two months, and I went to like one jujitsu class, and I said, nope, too soon. Oh, man. Uh, I just uh, started physical therapy exercises, and even after only two days of that, it, it feels noticeably better, but I'm afraid to push it. How about uh, yoga? 
yoga i'm still doing okay uh the mountain biking this sunday uh was mm, sucky because i found out not quite the hard way but close to the hard way uh that i didn't have the strength or at least my elbow lacked the conviction required to (laughs) jump over even the smallest of obstacles in the middle of the trail (laughs) and it's one of those it's kind of like frozen shoulders like you know you you're your joint or whatever has been conditioned to feel pain and so that it just doesn't move in that direction mm-hmm. without like you know because subconsciously or unconsciously your body's just not letting you do what you're trying to do mm-hmm. and um you know it takes supreme force of will to make it do that and that's really draining if you're like mountain biking and you have to concentrate on everything that should just be reactive or instinctive and or reflexive and that that really was disheartening to say the least i bet (laughs) but um oddly enough the thing where i noticed the most pain was uh, if not sleeping it was just sitting in meditation because my back would start to lock up after a while Uh uh-huh so that was hard Uh, i finally found a way to get comfortable in that but uh i've been running Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing a mile to two miles a day, and that's uh, that's a lot for me as someone who doesn't really run. I started running, you may remember, last year, and then I kind of fell out of it over the winter, so I'm getting back into that now. So mm-hmm. it's pretty much been yoga and running has been my, my physical quota, and nice. that's all I'm meeting these days. Yeah. So Your the, turn. <laughs> my turn. So I, uh, I mean, my back's been good since, uh, like, December, uh, but I did a boneheaded thing. We were doing box step ups with weight, and I twisted my knee on the way up. Not, I mean, not like twisted, twisted, but like I turned my knee while exerting weight on it and going up with it. You're not ever supposed to rotate your knee with weight on it. Just mm-hmm. you know. And as I did it, I was like, "That was so dumb. Why did I do that?" <laughs> you know, because I felt the pain. And then I, uh, you know, that was, I don't know, three weeks ago. And okay. uh, I had to take off a week and just did yoga. Just completely did nothing but stretching for 30 minutes, even twice a day, just stretching everything. And, and I got back. And then on Friday, I, I mean, I got done with my workout and I was okay with my knee and everything. And I was really struggling to do double unders. I, I still don't have double unders jump roping consistently. So okay. I decided, you know, this week I'm going to spend at least two to five minutes every day practicing double unders. Mm-hmm. So, end of the workout, I'm practicing my double unders. And I don't know what exactly I did with my knee. I was jumping. <laughs> And when I landed, it was awful all over again and way worse than the original injury. So, uh, so now I'm hobbling around. I'm like, I hurt myself jump roping. I mean. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, uh, you know, as someone who has lived with knee injuries for decades now, I know all about those. Uh, one of the things that I noticed, too, and I think I've talked about this before, was curiously running actually um made my knees feel better whereas historically i had been told oh no you shouldn't run that's going to be bad for your knees um but my patella on the right side due to um you know tendons being torn or stretched or whatnot is very floppy and loose Mm -hmm. and wobbly 
and what will happen is when the knee is bent and you know when it's flexed and it's supporting weight so think uh chair pose or any sort of lunge with the you know the bad knee in the front uh it'll pop and you, mm-hmm. you know you, i can feel and other people can sometimes hear the tendons pop 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 pop, pop. Mm-hmm. and it doesn't really feel good <laughs> Um, you know, so, uh, that actually started to happen more like after workouts because, you know, the muscles would be nice and loose and warm. And then I would just be walking and it would be painful just to walk. Mm-hmm. I started running that stopped happening. Huh. So it was pretty cool. And then I noticed like after a while of, you know, if I wouldn't run for a few days, it would start happening again. And at that point I would say, okay, I need to run more. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's good that that's been happening, but it hasn't been happening as much lately. But one thing I did decide to try, I was in, uh, oh geez, I forgot all about this too. I was in CVS. Why you may ask? Because I had a scratched cornea a few weeks ago. Oh, Nice. Yeah. How did you do that? Oh, a speck of dust in my eye. A speck of dust. Speck of dust. Yeah. <laughs> speck of dust, and all of a sudden, it felt like I had a hot poker in my eye for a couple of days. So I went to a uh, the uh, local urgent care, and uh, they diagnosed it as a, a scratched cornea. And they gave me some uh, uh, um, Cipro. Uh, as eye drops mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. keep it. They said, if it doesn't get better after a couple of days, either go to the ER or go see your eye doctor. Didn't get better after a couple of days. Went to my eye doctor. She prescribed some um, amoxicillin, no, erythromycin. Uh, erythromycin goop for my eyes, like I guess what oh, you yeah. would have for oh, pink, yeah. pink eye. So that was that was awesome. That was I'd never had that before. So I had the for the first time had the experience of in you know squirting gel onto my eyeball, um, and then the next day it fell fine. So that went away. But while I was in CVS picking up that prescription, I noticed these little compression sleeves for elbows, uh, and they're made of copper, very eighty-eight percent copper fibers. Yeah, I've seen those advertised on TV. So I decided, what the heck, I bought one because I had this, you know, like 150% off coupon or whatever from CVS. You know, if you you layer these things on, you get colossal discounts. It's like, ah, what the heck, I'll pick one of these up. And it actually felt pretty good. And then I started looking at, um, when I started looking down the PT route, um, ways to uh, properly use kinesiology tape because I'm a big KT tape fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started looking at the right way to tape it as opposed to just like taping it over the area that hurt, which is what I had been doing, <laughs> uh, which which still works. I mean, that helps. But doing a proper method across the, you know, the muscle and um, and tendon uh, patterns makes a world of difference. So I did that and it started to feel a lot better. So between that and the KT tape and now my PT exercises, my elbow feels way better than it was. It's still nowhere near, you know, back to normal. You'll be pitching for the socks in no time again. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, just move over, Poppy. I'll be your relief hitter, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but um, but then I also got one of those compression sleeves for my knee. Mm-hmm. And it's feeling pretty good. I've been wearing it uh, sometimes running, sometimes not, uh, but usually afterwards and sometimes in yoga. And the compression is feeling pretty good. So between that and ice and everything, I highly recommend... You know, the rice method is so a rest, ice, compression, elevation for, mm-hmm. for joint pain and injuries. 
Well, funny. And that's the Blurring the Physical Therapy podcast. <laughs> well, funny story about uh, something in your eye. Mine, mine was funny. Mine didn't have a. <laughs> it didn't have an antibiotic ending. But <laughs> so I, I was in Mexico, and, and it could have been way worse. I mean, the story starts out. I was in Mexico, so I was. I was in, gonna say, what, and then what? You drank the water? <laughs> no, I was in Mexico, and I was cutting wood. We were building a house, and we're we're cutting rough wood we're not cutting like like finished two by fours like what we're, we're used to seeing so it's it's rough hewn not sanded or anything so there's lots of splinters so i'm cutting with a skill saw and i have my sunglasses on i don't have like true safety glasses on uh they're pretty good i mean they're fully wrapped around but not the same as safety glasses well of course i got a splinter in my eye and so I know, don't rub the eye, don't rub the splinter, you know, pour water over it and, you know, keep pouring water over it until it comes out. So, I'm, of course, I'm working with a, a Mexican man down there uh, with me on construction and he doesn't speak any English and I, I, he speaks as much English as I speak Spanish. So, you know, <laughs> you know, we're, we, we can communicate well enough to work together and we get along well cause we've been doing it for years. Uh, but so I was like, I was, I, I had my water bottle. I had a two liter water bottle and I was trying to pour the water into my own eye. Well, right. every time I'd start to pour the water, I'd move my head. I could not I could not hold still to pour water into my own eye. So I told him I was like, "Here, you got to do this. I can I can't, you know, I said if you need to hold my head because I will move when I sense the water coming towards my eye." I could not hold still. Uh, finally, he he was able to pour it like I had to look away, like turn my head and look away so I couldn't see the water coming cuz I kept flinching <laughs> well that that that's just like me you know like my arm not wanting to cooperate to pull up on the handlebars yeah uh, even though it means that the rest of the body is going to be in a world of hurt if i slam into this log at 20 miles an hour the elbow is like yeah not interested so yeah. so why didn't you pull up peter uh, yeah i i don't know <laughs> You know, my elbow decided we had to stop and have a negotiation. And, uh, so yeah, that was fun. Well, so do you want to, your your buddy who sent the pictures of oh, the man. really <laughs> crushed bifocals at at CrossFit? You know, no, those aren't those aren't bifocals. Those are just distance glasses. They looked like bifocals as many pieces they were broken into. <laughs> 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 we should we should definitely include a picture of those in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know that really doesn't surprise me because mm -hmm. this past week with with the humidity because I go at five a.m. So mm -hmm. we pull up all the garage doors and it's significantly cooler than during the day, but it's still one hundred percent humidity. And yep. you know, seven minutes into a twelve minute workout, man, I can't even see. 
like because i've got sweat <laughs> coming down and then i've got tears you know trying to wash away the sweat so by the t- by the end of it i can't see anything so i could just imagine then you start bleeding yeah uh, i could just imagine being a, a dude with glasses on you know <laughs> sweating like that i mean you wouldn't you'd or, be blind or a woman in this or, case or a woman was a woman? <laughs> that was a woman, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, man or woman with glasses on. I was like, you know, kind of what's the point? Because you can't see. Yep. <laughs> well, I think that's what she did. I think she just decided, yeah, the hell with these. Threw them down the ground, smashed <laughs> Stomped them. Stomped them. I can't see these things anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, brother. But that was amusing. I was like, yep, I can see that. Yep. There you so, go. So talking about yoga, are you a uh, a yogi master yet? <laughs> I, I I don't use the word master very loosely, so so no, I'm not. I wouldn't even say anywhere close. Um, but uh, no, I am as well. Next two weeks from now, on the twenty second, I will be going to Maine for my next fifty hour installment. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I will have 150 hours completed. Okay. And on that note, uh, a week or so ago, just about a week ago, I got an email out of the blue saying we had a spot open up for the week-long seven-day intensive yoga and meditation retreat out in the Berkshires in the western part of Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Are you interested? And I said... Let me check my schedule. Hell yes, I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. So, on that note, um, I also in the, since we started ta- uh, since we haven't podcast since the last time we podcast got a notification that my local yoga studio is now offering teacher training as well. Okay. Now, this would be in more traditional vinyasa style yoga as opposed to the yin yoga training that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. What's really cool about it is the teacher that I'm training in yin yoga with offers a 300-hour module. Now, there's no 300-hour certification. Mm-hmm. But what happens is if you have another 200-hour model, you get to layer them on top of each other and get 500-hour training certification. Okay. Which is essentially when you do all the math and figure it all out. It's about a year of year in college, so like half of an associate's degree, right? Yeah. So it's an asak, I guess, or maybe <laughs> it's a, a siatis. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I uh, I was considering it, and I've been enjoying the training that I'm doing so much that it's just you know, really transformed my yoga practice personally. It's like you know, I know it it, it sounds pretty much trite you know but it's like it really made a difference and it's, it's opened my eyes and it's made my practice a lot more enjoyable and a lot more meaningful so i was like i want to keep doing this this is mm-hmm. fun so um i signed up for that and i immediately notified my uh, yin yoga instructor that i wanted to switch from the 200 hour track to the 300 hour track and as a result of that i got the email saying we just had this opening for the seven day retreat which is a requirement of the th- 300 hour track nice. so i said let me do it so the funny thing is that i will probably have about 450 hours of training under my belt before i have a 200 hour certification <laughs> <laughs> because i'm doing these two parallel tracks mm-hmm 
And I was like, wow, this is just going to be just like when I was in college and I had, you know, like hundreds of credits and stuff, but not, not a, no bachelor's degree. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so, yeah. I mean, I've really enjoyed yoga and, you know, I didn't, you know, I've been lifting since I was 17 years old. I mean, I was lifting and weightlifting and football and everything else. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until this past year when I really started paying attention to yoga and I mean, in CrossFit doing exercises, right. And really considering them. And, uh, it's like, I didn't realize that it's my hips in me. My hips are what are limiting me and causing yep. a lot of problems and and not even like your hips where you think there are it's like on the outside hips of you know in my rear end like that's I'm like that's affecting my hamstrings and my back and my and you know just all these things that are like wow I would have liked to have known that when I was 18 years old I could be like ultra flexible and in much healthier shape i can't imagine being an overweight person who's never exercised at 40 trying mm -hmm. to recover you know trying to to get into shape and motion yeah. with you know and i've been doing it all my life yeah oh yeah <laughs> wrong but i guess yeah. i guess maybe it's the same <laughs> it's exactly doing it yeah i was gonna say is it is it is doing it wrong better or worse than not doing it at all i don't know yeah i don't know i guess uh, it kind of kind of depends <laughs> i'm sure that there's a there's a study on that. I'm sure there is. <laughs> we, want, we want you to be the case study. We want to follow your life for 20 years, and you don't have to do anything. You just be our. <laughs> just, and, just be and there. I, and I'm going to get paid for that? Well, yeah. yeah. Perfect. I'm in. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there are. You wouldn't be the first person who got paid for doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so. Well, cool. So we're we're both getting you know we're you know i don't there are a lot of people say like it kind of gets on my nerves people fight saying get they're getting old they don't you know want to admit they're old my, my mother's actually that way she she's not listening mm -hmm. to the podcast or never will but she's only like not doesn't want to admit she's getting old it's not it's just when you are and be who you are when you are and accept it and yep and it'll be fine the fine line that I walk, which bothers me, is when where, where's the line between slowing down because it's the smart thing to do or slowing down because you're being lazy? Uh, that's true. You know, like I should have tapped early when I was in that arm bar, mm -hmm. but I didn't want to give up. Right. Mm -hmm. I felt no pain. And pain is usually my indicator. If I'm feeling pain, like not soreness, not achiness, not stiffness, but genuine pain, that's usually a, an indicator to back out. Mm -hmm. And I did not feel that, so I did not back down. Mm -hmm. So obviously I should have backed down sooner, but at what point? I don't know. Yeah. And like today I was out for my run and I hit the one mile mark and I was like, all right, I wouldn't say I'm feeling pretty good, but I'm feeling good enough to keep going. So I pushed on a little longer mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I could have stopped at one mile and said, yeah, that's it. You know, I'm doing a mile, but I've been doing about a mile for the last week or so. And I wanted to push a little further. So I did. Mm -hmm. But 
where do you draw that line? How do you know when, you know, like, no, if you go farther or further, you're going to hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know where that line is. So it's really, uh, it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's very frustrating. <laughs> well, well, I think there's a bit of wisdom in there that, that you earn with experience. Yeah. You know, that, that at the point, but I think, uh, I think you have to, I, I think you almost have to test it, you know? Mm-hmm. So like you, you, I mean, just in the example of, of running, you wouldn't want to say, I feel good uh, with this one mile, I'm going to run three. Uh, obviously, that's you're like, oh, that'd be silly. But what you might do is hammer out another half a mile and see how that feels and how you recover on that. Mm-hmm. And then you have a benchmark for, yeah, I could easily run another three, you know, a mile and three quarters or a mile and a half was really tough. So let me, you know, start incrementally making it better. Because I don't... Yep. You know, it is a hard line because uh, unless you're somebody like Jocko or a Navy SEAL, that people that their brains are, they're broken. I mean, they're literally, (laughs) they are broken and not right and that they will never, ever, ever, ever quit no matter what. And, you know, they're they're not right because the majority of us have a lot of quit in us. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the world has a lot of quit and they've got to they got to get themselves over the quit. I mean, I've got that same thing where you, you go to the point where you're ready to quit and then you decide how much further are you willing to go to learn for your yep. new, to increase your new threshold. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a fine line. You know, it's a fine line and and I don't always know where it is and sometimes I cross it and wish I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, I made a statement. Uh, I was actually talking to Kevin Landers and uh, his Landers, his his, uh, his new uh, business partner. Crap, I can't think of his name at the moment. But uh, we were talking about they were talking about a marathon, running a marathon, and I said, "Well, it's not worth it." I said, "No, I will not train for a marathon. That's not worth it. I don't want to run a marathon." Like, mm-hmm. He thought that was the funniest thing. You know, he's like, that's funny. So what do you mean by that? I'm like, well, it's What's it's the- not worth it to me to prepare and run for a marathon. There's there's no end game win for me as a, a 44-year-old to run a marathon. All I'm going to do is tear down my body yep. to what end? I mean, I'm not yeah. ever going to make any records or anything, and I don't – it doesn't mean anything to me as a personal right. goal. So there you go. I was going to say that, you know, like it depends on what your goal is and, uh, you know, what, what you're trying to what, what your focus is and what you're wanting to get out of it. Yeah. You know? And like, if you don't have, if, if you're not wired that way, then yeah. What, what are you going to get from running a marathon other than injured and hurt more? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the same, I mean, same thing people can argue with me or not art it's not really argue discuss or state or whatever you know like murph that's a crossfit workout you know i want to do murph better next year than i did this year a marathoner might say well that's useless to me because i I don't really that's just going to slow me down from running faster well kind of the same thing with me and crossfit being able to run the marathon is just going to mess up my strength (laughs) and i uh and i often go through uh that when i'm uh, talking with uh, people in other departments or uh, clients and you know 
hey, we need to uh, add a little extra layer of security here. I'm like, well, no, that's just going to slow me down, my job. We're not being hacked right now, so why do I care? <laughs> yeah, so, well, so we got, yeah. Got to look at it that way, how we can turn this into a, a business lesson. <laughs> yeah. You not know? being hacked right now. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you don't be so sure. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, but on that note, like, you know, saying, oh, well, I'm not, my body's not falling apart right now. I'm like, eh, it kind of is, though. You know, mm-hmm. it always is. It's always deteriorating after a certain age, you know, which is pretty young. You know, <laughs> you, start, mm-hmm. you start to go downhill pretty soon. And uh, if you're not taking these preventative steps, whatever it is, whether it's eating right or exercising or getting enough sleep or not guzzling, you know, a fifth of gin every day, (laughs) there's a lot of things you can do. Yeah. (laughs) Well, cool. So Moving think, on. Yeah. Let's go to let's talk about happy things. Happy things. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, I do have a business thing that's happy for me. Okay. So. I joined the 20. I, I don't think you knew that. I joined in April. You had mentioned something about the 20, but mm-hmm. it's been so long. Tell tell our listeners a little about this. <laughs> so so the the 20 is a is a cooperative group of IT business people who came together. It it really came together under the leadership of Tim Conkle. Uh, he run he ran well, he still does. He runs Roland Technology out of Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. And and it's not an original idea. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's not an original idea to form a cooperative. You know, our, our group even considered trying to put together a group of shared tools that everybody pays for and uses them together. Uh, you still run your separate business, but like you have a shared help desk. And you share uh, the tool set. So, like, Kaseya is the shared tool set. And, mm-hmm. you know, you share the price on those things. That You get you get power in buying. And you get, uh, you know, you get the cooperative of shared companies doing the same thing that you're doing. Uh, yeah. Is, you know, experience and everything else and documentation and implementation runs a lot faster. So strength the, in numbers. Strength in numbers. So the 20 started out as a small group of, uh, I mean, Tim started out wanting to have 20 companies. You know, it just made sense that that was enough companies to put together the help, a shared help desk and all the tools. And then it has since grown. The 20 is now has 110 members. That's more than 20. That's more than 20. Yeah. So it's still called the 20, but it's it's way more than 20. So 110 uh, companies. Uh, we've got 32 people on the help desk, level one through three, uh, some uh, bilingual in Spanish. It's Texas. I mean, the help, help desk is in Texas. So, um, And that's a big deal because... I can't send my Tennessee clients to a help desk in India. I mean, no. I mean, I mean, zero offense there, but it, it would be the same as talking to somebody in New Jersey. They couldn't <laughs> understand somebody in New Jersey either. <laughs> but but you people in tech in Tennessee speak Texan. Yeah, Texan. Yeah, Texan. 
people speak Tennessee or whatnot. Yeah, it's like Mexican Spanish and Spanish Spanish. You know, they're very similar. Pretty close. <laughs> Pretty you can close. tell there's something a little off with this guy, but he's close <laughs> enough that I'll listen to him. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and it it is it is really cool. And and one of the things that I've been struggling with as a business owner is uh, the growth of my company has been organic of my own sales and my own marketing. And if I would ever like to retire and if I'd ever like to change the landscape where I'm not doing exactly what I'm doing right now, I was going to have to grow exponentially by purchasing another company mm-hmm. uh, acquisition. Well, by joining the 20, I got the resources that I needed without acquisition and without a large capital outlay. Which so is- what's the what's the so far you've talked all about the features. What's the what's the catch? <laughs> uh, there's really no catch. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a shared expense. The cost isn't that. There's a minimum spend on uh, Kaseya VSA. Yep. But my spend with Kaseya VSA is um, equivalent to what I'm pe- spending with SolarWinds. So it didn't actually cost me any more money. It ended up netting me about $170 plus per month to join. Okay. Okay. So it was like, you know, by the time I got the savings in the tools, yep. uh, $170 increase per month is not that big a deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's not that bad. Mm-hmm. So, so you're... Um so you you mentioned solar wind. Sounds like you've you've bounced around from tools to tools for a little while. Then, well, yeah, because I just uh, I re retooled all of my tools last July, and I mm-hmm. had no intention of making any change. I mean, I I put in place what I thought would be permanent changes, yep. and then this came along with the twenty, and their tool set was the Kaseya tool set, the Kaseya BMS for the ticketing, billing, invoicing, and then the VSA for the uh, remote management and monitoring and everything else. So gotcha. yeah, so I'm leaving ConnectWise behind, and I'm leaving uh, SolarWinds behind, and that's, I mean, that's been a hassle for me, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> switching switching just ticketing systems is a pain switching you know automation systems is a pain switching security systems and management systems, all of these the migrations are always a pain yeah so so i had the, the here's one cool thing is i don't have to do i don't have to build out uh Kaseya's vsa uh mm-hmm. the 20s already built it out now, I can tell them some specifics that I need, but they've got it built out for a server monitoring and everything else. And then, you know, so it's like 90% done, the package. And all I have to do is tell them, okay, I also, you monitor for 10% C drive space. I want to monitor for 15%. And mm-hmm. they just make the slight modifications instead of me having to build it out from scratch. So that is super nice. That's cool. That is cool. <laughs> I well, it's good that they're customizing to your uh, to your liking. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to change, you know, a, to a, to fit them, you know, their model. Yeah. Well, there has been some of that, uh, but not where it's really, really important, like okay. like that monitoring. For me, that'd be a deal killer if I couldn't monitor. I mean, because it's there's some things that you and I can agree to disagree on, and then there's things that you and I cannot, 
you know, I'm like, if we're both working together, like, eh, it's okay. But then there's some things like, no, absolutely, I will not bend on this. I need this. And it's the small things, mm-hmm. but, but like hard drive space for my servers is a unyielding one for me. Because <laughs> if you've ever had a, I don't know, a DHC database just to lose its entire mind because it ran out of drive space, you become real picky about those things. <laughs> <laughs> would you would you say that you've been scarred by one of those events? Yeah, yeah. Sounds like you have. How does that make you feel, Adam? Let's talk about how that yeah, makes you feel. Yeah, I have a little twitch and a, a, my head chirps a little bit. But yeah. you'll like you'll like this. This is kind of funny. So the engineer, uh, I, I actually felt like a user. Uh, I was talk. I was on the phone with an engineer discussing the VSA stuff, and I'm like, "Look, all I want to do is talk high level. I don't want to go into details. I just want to talk high level. I've got my president hat on right now, so <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a tech. And so I told this to the engineer right up. Front. So I've got the sales guy and I've got the engineer, and I said, "Hey, I want to. I want to do this, and I want to know that you can do that." He says, yes, we can do that. Look at my screen right now. And let me show you how we build out this package. No, 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 no. I don't want to know how you do the package. I just want you to say, yes, you can do the package. Oh, yeah, 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 we can do that. And I told him three times, stop, 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 stop. I <laughs> do not want to hear. I do not want to see. I just want you to tell me, yes, I can do that. <laughs> Take care of the details for me. <laughs> yeah. If you tell me no, we'll work through the no. Even then, I don't want to work through the details of it. I just want to, <laughs> we'll figure out how to do that because I've got high-level questions. But mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder how many times users feel like that when we in IT start talking and they're like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) I went through a lot of that um, recently because we had a, uh, one client had a suspected uh, data breach. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty funny because the report came in and then they immediately escalated it to me uh, because, you know, I'm your security guru. Mm -hmm. And uh, the report came in to to the tune of, um, I have this Excel spreadsheet with over a thousand of your users' email addresses and passwords. What would you like me to do with it? That was the email that they got, yeah. or you? Yeah. And um, so, so I took a look at it, and I said, "Okay, let me take a look at this." Huh? This could be interesting. So I asked the company, the employee of the the company, like, "Where did you get this?" He said, oh, well, it's a friend of mine. He's doing some security work for this consultancy. And I said, I'm familiar with them. I know, you know, I'm, I, I like their, their work. I'm actually, a, you know, a fan of theirs. And I know the founder, who's uh, one of my teachers. He said, oh, okay, well, my friend's email address is blah. And I said, oh, let me give Bill a call. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, well, anyway, anyway, I know the guy who is doing that. I didn't realize that he was working for this company that, mm-hmm. I, you know, the consultancy. So I was like, so we got on the phone, figured out what's going on. And uh, one of his colleagues has been trolling dark websites, 
breaches, breached, you know, whatever, and came across a bunch of these aggregating a number of breaches. Mm-hmm. Most of them probably came out of LinkedIn, mm-hmm. right? So I worked with the security team at this place to come up with a uh, mailing that would go out to everybody who had been affected. But the first thing we did was when we got permission from their uh, their secure the director of their uh, security department was tested all of the usernames and passwords. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, one of them was still valid nice. and working, right? So we assumed that other people had changed their passwords since then, but had that it had not, you know, they had because they weren't working right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but after discussing it with a few people, we had some very concerned people because they were saying, oh, wait, that's not my password for my email, but it is my password for X. Yeah. <laughs> And then they jumped to the, the, you know, immediately to the conclusion. So that means that X was the service that was breached. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And no. unfortunately, I was like, <laughs> well, maybe. We're not ruling it out, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's not possible. a... possible. It's very possible. But what the problem is that most people forget that they have signed up for services like LinkedIn or even, you know, uh, Amazon Microsoft, if you sign up for Google, you know, you can, a lot of people don't realize that when you go to Google, you can sign into Google with a non Gmail email address, even if you're not using Google apps, mm-hmm. right? So you can make a Google account as, you know, like Peter at example.com and Google like, oh, okay, you're, you know, that's your, that's your Google ID. Mm-hmm. You just don't have a Gmail address that's associated <laughs> with it. And people didn't realize that. So, you know, we put together a rather short email but it was very clear and it you know explained that we've come across this you know very we have very few details to share but your email address was found on at least one public facing internet website to be using this password mm-hmm. and we put the password right in the email and we said if this is your password here at work you must change it immediately Mm -hmm. and if you recognize this password and you know where it came from you should change that immediately too (laughs) because it's out there right change it everywhere (laughs) right so i'm paraphrasing but that was essentially the gist of the email and then because i'm a stickler for this sort of thing i said if you have any questions contact your security department or if you need to change your password and you don't know how contact your help desk and i did not say call them at this number or click this link or email you know such and such because that's a common tactic that scammers use Mm -hmm. we received a number of responses to the tune of or exactly is this legit Uh, I wonder if they, uh, did you get any passwords back? No, no, that's not my password. This is my actual password. This time I did not. (laughs) That has happened to me in the past. That has definitely happened to me in the past. Not this time, but I did get emails saying like, that's close to my password, but it's, you know, I I use that only on, you know, like low importance websites. That's where I use that password. Or that used to be my password, but it isn't anymore. And so there was a lot of learning experience. Um, I got to speak with the um, 
the chief, the, the head of human resources for this company. And, uh, you know, talk to her a little bit about password management and why you should never reuse a password, even if it's for a bunch of unimportant websites. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was it was a real education thing. But, you know, we got all kinds of replies saying, you know, like, no, that's not my password. What website is it from? And we we're like, we can't tell you because we don't know. You know, yeah. we were just given email address, password. That's all we got. And it was just amazing, though, because people just flat out didn't read the email, but responded mm-hmm. saying, like, I don't understand. What are you saying? And I was just like, <laughs> well, I'm saying and copy paste. <laughs> send it back. Uh, but then one was said, like, so do I need to change my password? Again, copy paste, which says exactly like if this is your password, you need to change it here. If this is your password out on this website somewhere, you need to change it there. Mm-hmm. And it's just been an amazing week of people not reading emails and replying <laughs> to me saying, I don't understand. And then literally the exact verbatim definition of what their, you know, the answer to their question is right in the email. Mm-hmm. One of them was someone filled out this very long, complicated form requesting provisioning of this, you know, very complex application. And at the top of this form, it says, if this application already exists for you and you just need to make a minor change, don't use this form. (laughs) Just send an email (laughs) stating the name of the user that you're trying to add and their email address. Mm -hmm. So I copied and pasted that paragraph out and I told this person, because this is like repeat offender, multiple occasions she will fill out the form every single time, said, Pay attention to this part of the form. Please note, if you're only trying to make this minor change, don't use this form. Just send an email with the change that you need to make. Reply comes back a few hours later. I need to make one of these minor changes that you spelled out. Do I use this form or not? (laughs) I'm like, oh, oh, dear Lord, it hurts. It hurts so much. Oh, so, so the, you know, what you're describing, our listeners may not know, is a uh, dark web um, scanning process. Of course, we do that. I mean, we do that as a service and do dark web scans. And so we did a golf event uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, no, it was in May. So more than a couple weeks ago. And, and our offer was a free dark web scan. You know, so give us your... Uh, you know, give us your email address or domain name that you want us to check, and we'll tell you if there are any, you know, breaches out there. And and one, it was funny the different responses. One guy was like, "No, no, I don't, I don't, I'm afraid to give you my email address because I don't know what you'd do with it." Like, well, that's not the way that it works. But you, okay, you know, <laughs> whatever. You're afraid to give me your email address. You ever? send anyone email <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I was were like, you afraid to give them your email address too <laughs> so I, I thought that was funny but then uh then like one guy one guy said uh he said ah oh, there's no need to scan mine i know my stuff's all out there I'm like, well, <laughs> well yes you may know that all your stuff's out there you but you should pro- yeah you should probably do something about that because it could become a great inconvenience to you <laughs> yeah. so mm-hmm. 
So, but one of the guys came by and uh, he was a, a Vanderbilt life flight pilot or captain. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he said, well, I work at Vanderbilt. I said, I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, you know, Vanderbilt's got their own deal on on this they're they're a big it company i mean they've got big it so i said tell you what i said i'll scan your address just to see if your account is is compromised i said because you know there are thousands of vanderbilt email addresses so i you know there's no telling how many breaches would come back so i scanned his address for him to make Mm -hmm. sure that his wasn't compromised and i sent it to him but out of curiosity i scanned vanderbilt Mm -hmm. and it came back with 33,000 compromised Vanderbilt addresses with, mm-hmm. within the uh, in the dark web for sale. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I said, yours was clean, but everybody else has got Pretty a mess. Awesome. <laughs> I always, whenever I get breach notifications for one of, you know, because uh, at a number of my clients, I haven't one of their email addresses Mm -hmm. as well because they don't you know for the work i do they don't necessarily want me to appear like a yeah they want me to look like i'm part of their team right Mm -hmm. so i said um, you know okay fine that's fine and every time we get an alert for you know a client email address the first thing i do is search for my own name (laughs) like (laughs) win not on there yes (laughs) (laughs) so i managed to at least not you know well I don't know. You know, it's not like I mean, if I was to use that email address with LinkedIn, you know, my LinkedIn credentials. If LinkedIn drops my credentials, there's nothing I can do about that. Mm-hmm. Unless, unless I had not used my professional work email address for LinkedIn, which makes it difficult for other people to contact me on LinkedIn. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's, it depends how how public do you want to be. You know, if you don't want anybody to find you, that's great. It makes it really hard to network and interface with people, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wearing an aluminum cone hat is just ridiculous, you know. Mm. Yeah. And then on the (laughs) other side, you've got Facebook. (laughs) Jeez. Yet again. Oh, yes. This bug changed, like, what, 14 million users' privacy settings? Mm -hmm. So that it was exposed. Like, but they've done that deliberately on multiple occasions in the past <laughs> i don't believe for a second that was a bug they were just slipping that through to see if anybody would notice uh-huh turn apparently so, that's a really easy number to change in sequel <laughs> on off on off. off one zero oh yeah <laughs> oh man uh, i'm so you, I, I hate facebook <laughs> so you sent me a picture early on in the week with what looked like two contractors reading an instruction manual yes uh, to maybe install something for you that would be the (laughs) tesla home charging station (laughs) and uh as of this very moment my uh car has uh charging up he put in a uh, 50 amp breaker so i'm getting about 20 miles per hour of charge on my uh, car right now oh nice so i am charging at home i finally broke down and even though i still plan to make liberal use of my free supercharging 
because uh, that was one of the reasons again that I bought this car at the end of last year before they you know maybe did away with that program. Um, it is really convenient to have the ability to charge right at home. Mm-hmm. You know, get home from a long drive and then like, oh man, I have to drive down to the charging station now before I go anywhere tomorrow morning. That was just starting to become a pain. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got it. I uh, successfully negotiated with the condominium association to move my, you know, my parking spot. So I'm right next to the, the building now. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I've got the charger installed as of yesterday. And it's uh, it's nice. It's nice. Now I'm starting to sort of realize the Tesla dream. You know, <laughs> this is what it's supposed to be like. So. Yeah. yeah. And while he was there, I had him install a 110 outlet on the uh, as well. So now I can sit outside with my speaker and my new electric grill. So <laughs> and I'm not sure if I want to try running the electric grill at the same time as charging the tesla i did that at my girlfriend's house a month or so ago and tripped all the breakers nice yeah so you're 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 burning fossil fuel off-site like nobody's business yep <laughs> and that's oh man my girlfriend and i went we went out to nantucket last weekend and so we drove down all the way to the end of cape cod to the to the ferry and as we were there at a charging station and it's kind of funny because like so far all of my experience at charging stations have been pretty much just, you know, a nod. But, you know, over in like in the last couple of weeks, it's been like, you know, I show up and the old friend shows up like, hey, how you doing? How long you had it? Where are you? You know, let's talk. Let's talk Tesla. And I was just like, oh, sure. I'll shoot the breeze with you. Whatever. Um, and uh, this one woman was came up to us and she was talking all about it. And she was so proud about how, you know, like, oh, yeah, we're not burning fossil fuels. We wanted to do this for the environment. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not having as much of an environment impact right now. But I didn't have the heart to tell her that <laughs> they do a lot of the, the carbon footprint when you build a new Tesla is pretty darn big. Yeah. (laughs) So it kind of offsets a lot of the damage that you're not doing moving forward from that point. Mm -hmm. Then again, every new car you make does a pretty, you know, significant amount of damage, but apparently Tesla's is not insignificant. (laughs) So, you know, and the funny thing too, was that she was also going on at the same time as um, she she was telling in the same story about how, you know, oh, we want to, you know, we're saving the earth, et cetera, et cetera. But she said something, oh, my godson wanted to buy a car and I wasn't going to buy him a used car. So we got him a, you know, a model S blah, 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 you know, it's like, (laughs) Oh no, we're saving the earth, but we couldn't, we couldn't, you know, couldn't possibly use anything but a new car. We have to have that. It's like little bit of a contradiction going on there. Yeah. No recycling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No reuse. No reuse. No reuse. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, yeah. And, uh, I don't know. Do you guys have nuclear up there? We have a uh, power plant down in Plymouth, down uh, to in the southern part of the state. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there was also uh, Vermont Yankee, where I came from, up in, up north in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, we fortunately have TVA, so we've got a lot of hydroelectric power from mm-hmm. from the rivers and everything like that, and that makes a yep. that makes a big big help. Yep. That's well, you know, it's actually been detrimental to uh, Tennessee's energy conservation effort because energy was so cheap in Tennessee that people 
contractors didn't build houses with good insulation because there was no point to it. The the cost of electricity right. was so low, just yep. run more heat a little bit yep. longer because yep. don't need it. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you got to do the math on that. It might be if it's generally, you know, genuinely cheaper. But, you know, in general, I would think that the cost of insulating a house is probably going to be pretty low. But, yeah, yeah, you know, it's and, and I don't know. I don't know what what is the import, you know, what's the carbon footprint of uh, a, a spool of pink insulation? You know, yeah, yeah. I don't, well, I don't you know. can you can see behind me my bookshelf back there. So mm -hmm. that is an outside brick wall. And mm -hmm. uh, and there's a good portion of it is underground. So mm -hmm. like the, the, the dirt runs along it, but there's a lot of it that's not. And everybody told me, like, there's no, you don't need to insulate that wall. You don't need to insulate any of those walls because they're, they're below ground or they're brick on the outside. So it doesn't really matter. Well, mm. I disagreed and I, I put my disagreement with my dollars and insulated <laughs> all of that wall and all mm. the walls around me. Mm -hmm. And my ins I haven't had my air, I turned my air conditioner off yesterday because it was it's just loud i've got vents coming right down on me and it's loud and yep. for whatever reason i was sick of the noise and i turned it off and it's been 24 hours and it's the same temperature down here as it was yesterday <laughs> yeah. so i'm like yeah you told me that the insulation wasn't needed or wanted but i sure am appreciating it <laughs> well there's necessary and then there's convenient right mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, we need to move on a little bit here. Mm -hmm. We need to discuss something important. Okay. And by that, I mean beer. All right. <laughs> okay, now it has been so long since we've talked about this. I just need to double check one more time. Uh huh. You may recall last fall, I brewed some English nut brown ale and it exploded. Right. I also had an Australian sparkling lager, and it just never tasted right. Mm -hmm. And then I made a second copy of that nut brown, and it did not explode, but it still just didn't taste quite right. Mm -hmm. And again, the only thing that had changed was the physical location. And after I did a little bit of thinking, I realized that my basement was a little chillier than my old location. Mm-hmm. So the suspicion is that the beer, the, the yeast never completed fermentation, just wasn't active enough to eat all the sugar. And the recommended course of action was to re-keg the beer, throw in some more live yeast, let it do its thing at the proper temperature, and then go back to bottling again. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So I went to the, brewer, the brewery shop and I, um, the guy there wanted to know what I was doing. So I was like, okay, I'll tell him. And he was like, whoa, whoa, wait, what are you doing? And he suggested, first off, even though it has been a while, that I just bring the beer up to a warmer temperature in the bottle as is. And maybe like if I can, like if I shake the bottle gently, if there's some sort of like shake it to rouse it up a little bit. And that that may just fix the problem. I haven't tried that yet. But the thing is, I've had the beer sitting at room temperature now for some time. 
mm-hmm. but I haven't popped one of them recently. Now I did take one out of the cold basement and put it directly into my refrigerator so that it would be at the proper temperature when I drank it. Yeah. So that one sample bottle I had never really was perhaps never really warm enough. So I'm wondering now, should I just, I should probably just pop one bottle and see what it's like. But what I was waiting to do is like on a cheat day when I can, when I'm allowed to drink beer and also when I have time to pop the rest of the bottles mm-hmm. and put them all back in the keg. That's been my plan. Now, this guy said, though, if I do pop it and it still doesn't taste right to basically mix the liquid yeast mixture and then just put it right back into the bottle and then recap it. Well, so there's a couple things. So the bottles, where they're sitting right now, what temperature are they currently? Probably around 70. Okay. So 65 to 75 is ale yeast temperature. So it's sitting within temperatures that if there were any yeast in there, it would uh, eat the sugar. Right. Uh, what he said was correct was agitating could possibly bring up the yeast to make it live again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The problem is when when your bottles are sitting, so when you're bottling your beer... Uh, there is so little activity that happens. Mm-hmm. There's only enough activity and sugar to carbonate the beer. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very little. If you have unfermented uh, sugars other than the priming sugar, you're going to blow your bottles. If, mm-hmm. if there's enough sugar in there to ferment, you'll blow your bottles okay. rather than just carbonating them. And uh, I didn't have any bottles actually explode I, but I had them, you know, but when I opened, when I popped the caps, they were pretty explosive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just overly carbonated and, you know, you pour it and you've got this, you know, a inch of beer and then six inches of head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, in this case, it was more than that. We're talking, um, we're, we're talking like, you know, Diet Coke and Mentos kind of thing. Yeah. This was volcanic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you had a lot of unfermented sugar and it's it it was continuing to ferment in that bottle so the um so yeah he he's right in that but you're like i think that you'll if you bring your bottles up to temperature and agitate and there's that much carbonation in there you're going to have some at least seepage if not pop tops gotcha (laughs) in there but but i have two separate batches so you see one of them was explosive the other one just like was off yeah didn't quite taste right so my you know my thought is like whether i was going to try to put a little bit of you know a dropper or whatever of this yeast solution in each bottle or whatnot i have to pop all the bottles again anyway Mm -hmm. but the only thing is his method would like do away with the need to dump out every bottle Mm -hmm. rinse them all out sanitize everything put them all back in again yeah so but i didn't know if that made sense and if so i didn't know how much i would use or you yeah. know i had idea well see i i would uh i mean if if i were in your shoes i look at my time and i would probably nuke them all and 
and just just give it up, just give it up and just yeah. start start another batch altogether because you still have the I don't know if it will actually work. You know, yep. it might be worth uh, for your beer experience of see if I could salvage it. <laughs> salvage, you know, maybe yeah. a half a dozen of them just for you know proof of concept yeah it would have worked had i done this but you're mm-hmm. still waiting on the beer and you have been waiting on the beer since since fall. <laughs> since fall so i i would go nuclear on it and and dump it all down the drain or or the year-long beer that wouldn't brew <laughs> yeah <laughs> i figured that you know i would like at least try it i mean i don't i already bought the yeast so it's not like i have a lot to lose other than some time Mm -hmm. and if i was trying to do this as uh you know like a money maker kind of thing obviously this is not the most effective use of my time (laughs) (laughs) yeah well and and i still really think that uh you ought to throw away mr beer and (laughs) and go with a a glass carboy and a plastic bucket system Mm -hmm. So that your your primary fermentation happens three to five days in a plastic bucket, and then your secondary fermentation is actually happening in glass. Mm-hmm. So there's not there's no taste that mm-hmm. can come over. Right. Uh, so okay. I have a um, you know I've got that metal aluminum carboy thingamabobber that my cousin gave me this big giant thing mm-hmm. that's been sitting in my basement for months. Aluminum. Like, I think it was a there's a metal big metal thing. Mm-hmm. I thought you said that was a carboy. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember. I'm showing my amateurness here. <laughs> um, and another friend of mine over in Arlington, maybe he hopefully he still has it. Said he had some brewing equipment mm-hmm. that he wanted to give me. So I have a I have a line on more stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just like to figure out where to put it, or I need to start brewing beers that brew at colder temperatures so I can keep them in my basement. Yeah, yeah, you need to do loggers where they they're at a lower temperature altogether. But yep. that but that may be too cold because you may have to it you may be above the logger temperature but below the ale temperatures. Yeah. Whatever. So there's a, uh, in Sparta, Tennessee, which is uh, east of where I live, there's Calf Killer Brewery out there. And it's, <laughs> it's two brothers that, that run this brewery, them and their wives and their kids. They just kind of built this kind of communal house together and brewery out of the barn and everything. It's really kind of cool and it's, it's really grown. Uh, but they have, their primary fermenters are... Um, they're stainless steel, you know, to, you know, like a, I don't know. It looks like a, a silo inside their basement, but it's not very big. It's only, I don't know, diameter, you know, the circumference around is like as big around it. I couldn't wrap my arms all the way around it, but I get more than two thirds of the way around it. And I was looking at it, you know, and I know a little bit about brewing and I, I asked him, I said, I was looking in the there's a there's a hole at the bottom for getting the beer out, but it's probably a, a three inch tube, you know, three four inch where you get the beer out. Yep. I said, I said, well, I see how you get the beer out. How in the world are you getting the sediment out? He says, Well, we we scoop it all out. And I'm like, dude, how do you get down in there? And he's this tall, skinny guy, and he says, 
I go down in there mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, <laughs> better not I gain just, any weight. <laughs> I was at Cisco Brewer, uh, Cisco Brewers last weekend. That's what we were doing out on Nantucket. And the guy was showing that, you know, we had some of the old equipment, the original equipment that they had, and they had the exact same thing. And he said, yeah, we used to jump in there and scoop out all the sediment and shovel it out. <laughs> yeah, put it in a bucket and, and reach it out and give them another bucket to clean it out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, that's impressive. You better not gain any weight or you won't be able to get in. Well, you, might, <laughs> you might be able to get in, but you won't be able to get back out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't be eating while you're in there, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, we're getting close to it. It has been about an hour, so mm-hmm. we're, we're good. Um, I wanted to leave us on a nifty. Okay. And that is the Tantan Smart Plug. Tantan. Never Tan-tan. heard of that one. So I bought one of these because um, my new uh, residence, it's a three-story townhouse, and the it has one heating and cooling zone so that is challenging when the thermostat is down on the first floor and i'm up on the third because it's generally a lot warmer upstairs than it is downstairs and it's really not efficient to you know cool the entire place when the upstairs is 85 and the downstairs is 60 and the air conditioning is still cranking yeah so I decided, you know, for emergencies, for spot spot emergencies like that, I would just grab an, a window unit. And for my old place in Vermont, it was over 5,000 square foot building. I had window units everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I just brought, brought one of those, dragged it down, and I threw it in the window here in the upstairs. But I'm sure that I'm going to walk away one day and it's just going to turn, you know, leave running all the time because it's not a smart thing by any stretch it's just it's got an on switch and an off switch so i said all right i want to be able to you know manage that thing with the a word and i also want to have it just automatically turn off when i leave Mm -hmm. so i got this tan tan smart plug i think it cost like 12 bucks yeah um it's uh a word compatible uh, I plugged it in. I designated it as air conditioner. Mm-hmm. And now I can say, because we're about to finish recording here, so I can say it. Alexa, turn off air conditioner. Okay. And the air conditioner. Nice. Just there you off, go. <laughs> right? And then the other thing is that uh, I enabled IFT with uh, location services. So when I get within like about 500 feet or uh, away from my house by about 500 feet, it turns off the air conditioner. Mm-hmm. So if I leave home and I forget, it just shuts it off. Nice. So I'm happy. That was That's the main reason that I have home automation is like <laughs> I want to be able to leave and just know all the extra stuff is going to turn off. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah, I've got one too. I was looking for it. It's not Tantan, but it's, uh, it's, another, it's another company. It's not uh, – it's a different one. But yeah, it works great. I like it. Uh, I mean, I do the same thing with my lights at the office. So mm-hmm. when I, I, if I forget to turn the lights off, or if I leave at lunch and don't come back, then they'll just go off and stay off. <laughs> there you go. But it's like I said, more about the. Con- it's just a convenience. But yep. I'll tell you what. Yep. I was down at the farm the other weekend, and actually no, on Tuesday I was taking my camper down to the farm. I got down there, I needed to use the bathroom, so I plugged up the water, 
because I've got well water there, it brings it into the house, into a container, stores it there. But when I leave, I pull the breaker on that thing Mm -hmm. so that if something burst while we're not there, it would would empty all that tank into the house, but it wouldn't keep running forever. (laughs) Right. You're at least mitigating, you're staunching the flow, so to speak. Staunching the flow. And... uh, I left. I used the bathroom, but I forgot to turn the water off when I left. Got to the interstate. Twenty minutes later, it's like I'm going back. Twenty minutes later becomes an hour later. Yeah, I'm <laughs> <laughs> going back because I gotta pull the plug. You know, related to shutting things off at the breaker, my electrician was asking me yesterday, "What's to stop anybody with a Tesla from just driving up to your charger and charging?" And I said, you know, that's a very good question. And I said, and I'm pretty sure there's no security on this. It's not like it's tied to my car. Yeah. Because, I mean, unless Tesla associated my order with my my only car, but which is possible. I don't think so, though, because that charger doesn't have any Internet access or something. So, no, it's not. So, um I said, uh, yeah, well, I have a fix for that. And my plan is, like, if I'm going to be gone for an extended period, I'm just going to flip the breaker. (laughs) How do you control access to it? Easy. You turn it off. (laughs) Flip the switch. But that is something that had crossed my mind. I was just like, yeah, you know, there doesn't seem to be any security built into the home chargers. Now, when you go to a supercharger, they know who you are. You know, because there's intelligence in that plug and it's like, oh, your serial number, blah, blah, blah. That's associated with Tesla account, such and such. We're going to charge credit card so and so. All right. So it knows who you are based on your Tesla account. But the home charger doesn't seem to have any of that intelligence built in. So the security is on the use on the owner. All right. There you go. <laughs> Luckily, there's not a lot of Teslas around, and there are even fewer in my parking lot. Mm-hmm. There's one, to be precise. <laughs> yeah. And it's mine. <laughs> and it's probably in front of the charger. It is. It's connected <laughs> to it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, great. So there you go. I think this was a successful, uh, successful. We'll, we'll call it our comeback episode. <laughs> our come. Don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I was out on an island, Nantucket. No, hiatus. Hiatus. <laughs> it's an island off the coast of Massachusetts. <laughs> yep, that's what I'm calling it. Don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. Mama All said, right. "Knock you out." See. Oh, ow. So you should take us out. I'll let you since I did the intro. All right. Well, we, we've we gotten some weird feedback on our contact form. So apparently there's something about it that is spammable. And I'll have to okay. figure that out. But apparently not the whole form is spammable. So I'll have to look. I mean, it hasn't been uh, such a big deal. Four or five emails over the past two years. That's not too bad. So, but anyway, we do want your feedback. If you'd like to discuss, oh well, if you'd like us to discuss, or if you'd like to discuss a particular topic, drop us a line at www.blurringthelinespodcast.com. And uh, now it's time to hit the big red button. <laughs> to contact either us or our guests, visit blurringthelinespodcast.com. 
If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us. 